0: Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Hey, good morning, Project Church. How are we doing? Good to see you. Let's go. Hey, my name is Caleb, I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm really excited to be sharing from God's word with you. We are in a series, a two year journey. Through the book of Mark, we've been walking verse by verse through the book of Mark for the last year plus now. This is going to take us through the end of the year. But we'll be in Mark leading up to Easter. And then we're going to take a little break right after Easter. Jump into uh, a little different series that you guys are going to love. So get ready. But for the next few weeks, we'll be continuing this journey through the book of Mark. So we are in Mark chapter 6. Wanted to let you know real quick. We have these still available. They're journals, marked by Jesus journals, as you can see. Um, we're selling them for five bucks. So we're not making any money off them. But they basically just have a bunch of blank sheets. Um, I use these things like every week just to journal, write ideas down, and then I also take sermon notes in them. So if you want one of these, they're at the table in the lobby, the info table. You can purchase one today. We have a few left. I think we have like 20 left. Half of them went in the first service. So Grab one on your way out. All right. Um, wanted to update you on the building. Who's excited that we're about to have a permanent home? So construction has begun. Um, we are insanely stoked about it. And uh, they are putting up walls. Can you see? Oh, yeah. So framing started this last week. The Pretty much all the walls are up now, the frames of the walls. You can see behind me. Um, it's a little dark, but you can kind of see it. And uh, we are looking at a completion date, the end of April. It will take us a couple weeks to then get all our audio-visual stuff set in, um, put, a, put in and, and updated. But I did want to update you because last week was Vision Sunday. If you didn't get a Victory 2020 wristband, who's got theirs on from last week? Hold it up. Um, we have more in the lobby on your way out. If you would like to grab one, they're for free. Um, it says Victory 2020. We're declaring 2020 to be our year of Victory. Uh, we stated that we are almost there, but we need to raise another $160,000 in the next two months to complete everything. So listen, either way we're moving in. If you're new here, this is not for you. This is a little family moment. Okay, excuse us as we have this conversation. Uh, But we are this close to moving in. We're moving in either way. But I would rather move in with everything done. I'm talking about done, done. Um, where we got all the bells and whistles that we're looking for. So you can see the breakdown behind me. Um, so we have 120000 in the bank right now ready to be spent on all these things for the building. Um, but we need 280. That means we're 160 short. So two months, raise $160,000. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. Guess what? God's got this. And he's going to work through you and through me. So I would ask you to do this. If you made a commitment to the Believe Again campaign... Would you complete that commitment in the next two months if you haven't yet? And second, if you never made a commitment or you did and you completed it but God's stirring your heart to give something extra, something more, something sacrificial, would you do that in the next two months? I believe we got this. How many believe we got this? Because God's got this and we'll have everything we need. I know you're with me. All right. Let's jump in. Mark chapter 6. So we are reading... A story, which I think is interesting that we come here the week after talking about victory, because we've had this scheduled for a long time, and now we come to this point in Mark chapter six, where the disciples encounter a storm. And I, I've found in my life so often that storms often follow victories, that my greatest moments of victory in my life are, also, are often followed immediately by a storm. And so Jesus has just fed the 5000, which we know was more like 10 to 12,000 with men, women and children, with 5000 men. He took a couple fish, a few loaves, multiplied it, fed thousands, and then immediately following that the disciples go into a boat, go across the sea, and they encounter a storm, and that's how it happens so often in life. Storms are a part of life. Some of the storms are small, but some of the storms are big. And I don't know what you came in here with today. Maybe you're in the middle of the biggest storm of your life. You've been through storms, but the waves this time are a little bigger. The wind this time is a little stronger. And and the storm you've encountered is something like you've never seen before. But I want to tell you that we serve a God that is faithful in the storm. And so let's read Mark chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from verse 45 through 52. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. So this is immediately after he has just fed the 5,000. In fact, the 5,000 haven't even left, and he already sends the disciples ahead of him, and he says, I'm going to dismiss them. You guys go. Get ready for for what's next. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully. Everybody say painfully. For the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking by the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. Everybody say ghost. And cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us from your word everything we need to hear today in this place. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So... I've been thinking about this idea of storms because we are in a a moment in our world that feels very chaotic. The coronavirus is happening and there's fear mongering and and people are scrambling and schools are canceling. And and I'm just happy you guys are here today. I was wondering if anyone would show up But we see this fear, we see this storm, and and storms are a part of life. You've often heard it said that you're either in the middle of a storm, you're just coming out of the storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm. Like, we just go through struggles as human beings in a fallen world. And I wanted to encourage you today that trusting God in your storm releases strength through your storm. You see, the title of my message today is The Strength, your storm because how many know God can actually build strength into you when you walk through a hard situation not only that but God wants to strengthen you through the storms of your life and I wanted to teach on this today and encourage you with it because storms is something that we all will face and yet so many of us resent the storms Rather than saying, you know what, God, do what you need to do in me through the storm. And when we shift that perspective and that mindset to what is God wanting to develop in me and grow in me and nurture in me and how is God wanting to change me. When we change our perspective, then we can actually get the most out of the storms that we walk through. But too many people go through storms and they get bitter and they get resentful and they get angry And they get hurt and they walk out of the storm. And instead of being better, they're worse off. Instead of being stronger, they're weaker. Instead of being propelled to their purpose, they're actually stuck and stagnant in in what happened to them. And that's not what God wants for you. And that's not God's best for you. He wants to launch you through the storm to the greater things that he has for your life. So let's talk about the strength in your storm. You see, storms will come and go. And I found that it's actually hard to imagine them going when you're in the middle of them. Because your perspective is is so minimized in the middle of a storm that you can't imagine life after it. And when you can't imagine life after it, you can get stuck in it and stuck in the mindset of a storm. And then even when you come out of it, all you can do is fixate on what happened in the past. Instead of saying, I learned from that and I'm going to be better because of that. So I want to talk to you today about the strength in your storms. And I have a bunch of points for you today. It's going to be a long sermon, so let's go. Some of you love long sermons. Most of you don't, but let's do this. It won't be that long. I'm playing. All right. The strength in your storms. Number one, God either sent it or he allowed it. Now this should actually encourage you. Because I think some of you are out there going through storms and you're going, why? Why? There's no point to it. There's no purpose in it. Some storms feel menial. They feel pointless. I've been in storms and I'm going, is there any purpose in this? But what if the storm in your life was actually sent by God? Or allowed by God? Or what if God sent you into that storm? Because I don't know if you were listening when I read this story, but Jesus actually sends the disciples ahead of them without him into a storm. He knew there was going to be a storm. He knew they were going to encounter the storm. He also knew it will be better if I send them on their own so that I can reveal myself to them through that storm. And so he sends them into a storm. And I, I think it's interesting that he knew they didn't encounter the storm and yet sent them into the storm. You see, the disciples are out there because Jesus told them to go. And so often we ask, like, why would God knowingly send me through a storm? You see, God sends us through storms and sends storms to us or allows storms in our life because he wants to teach us something through them. He wants us to develop something through them, even though their hearts were right. And I want you to think about this because the disciples are aligned with God. And some of you are in this room and you're going, I'm aligned with God. I go to church every Sunday. I go to community group. I read my Bible. I pray. I do all the right things. I, I, you know, I, I don't do what I used to do. And yet still I'm going through this situation. Still I'm walking through this storm. Listen to me, church. Storms are part of life. John 16, says this. In this world you will have trouble. Everybody say trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. One version says, tribulations, which is, sounds so much more spiritual. I'll have trouble. I'll have tribulations. This is what you're going to have. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, look, you're going to have storms. That's just part of life. But remember that I've overcome all of these things. i found in my life, though, that serving God and being aligned with God actually prevents a lot of trials in my life. If you are aligned with God and you stay right with God, I'm I just got to tell you, you're gonna avoid a lot of storms in life. How many have ever walked through a storm that you know was the result of your bad decision? Come on, just be honest, you sinners out there, with me. I raise my hand because I've walked through storms, I've walked through struggles, I've walked through trials. Let me tell you, it was the result of my poor decisions. And we need to understand this because if we're aligned with God, I believe we're going to avoid a lot of the storms that people around us are encountering just by simply doing and living a God-honoring life. And yet scripture tells us that even when you live right and you honor God and you go to church and you read your Bible and you, you know, avoid sin as much as possible, even then you're going to have storms. James 1, 2 says, actually consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. For you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You see, we actually need storms. You see, nothing grows without resistance. You can't get stronger without some bands resisting your your, your muscles. You can't get stronger without some weights resisting your muscles. You can't run further without ground that you're pushing against, propelling yourself forward. Resistance is necessary for growth. In the same way, storms are necessary for you to grow in your faith. So why would God allow these things? Why would God send us through these storms? You know why? Because he wants to strengthen you. He wants to make you better. He wants your faith to grow. So God sends and allows storms. I hope this encourages you today, church. You're in a storm and just a simple perspective shift. of Well, maybe God is allowing this. Maybe God sent this. Maybe there's a reason for this. Now you can live in that storm and be in that storm and say, I'm going to get the most out of this. Now it's easy for me to preach. It's a lot harder for me to live. Because that's good preaching, Caleb, uh, you're talking about being joyful in storms. Like, huh, this is awesome, God. Thank you. That's not easy. It's easy to say it up here. It's harder to live it. But that's what God is calling us to, which leads to number two, and that's that God wants to show you how strong your faith is. So, all most of my points are about God and who He is, but I, I threw one in there about you because I think that God actually wants to show you that there's more in you than you think is in you. That God wants to actually show you that you're stronger in your faith than you think you are. That you have him inside of you, and when you have the Holy Spirit, the power of God resting inside of you, then you're stronger than you actually think you are. Proverbs 25.10, and some of you are like, I don't know if this is biblical, let me show you. It says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. You know, I love, I, I like that idea of pressure. And uh, I found in my life that some people either rise under the pressure or they fall under the pressure. And, and people whose faith is strong, when the pressure comes, like they rise to the moment. I want to be a rise to the moment kind of guy. So this last weekend, my son had his second ever golf tournament. He's eight years old. He started playing golf this last summer, and this was his second tournament. And what they do is they start them at 100 yards, and they play nine holes from 100 yards in. And once you get a 39 from 100 yards in, you move back to 150 yards. So he's playing from just 100 yards in. He's got to get a 39 for nine holes, which some of you uh, uh, know, like, that's not easy, even from 100 yards. And he's eight years old. And so after after six holes, I hadn't told him what his score was because I was like, hey, we're just going to have a good time out here. After six holes, on the seventh hole, before he teed off, he said, Dad, what do I got to do to get a 39? And I didn't want him to ask that question, but I, I answered it honestly. And I said, bro, you have a 30 right now, so you need three threes. And in my mind, I'm thinking that's not possible. He actually hadn't even got a three the whole round. He'd had several fours, but he hadn't got a three. And, he's, and I said, you need three threes. And he's like, okay, Dad, I'm going to do it. And I just was like, oh, okay, bro. Good for you, you're cute. So he steps up the first hole. He hits his driver into the greenside bunker. And he has a 10-foot lip in front of him with about a 15-yard chip. Uh, you know, sand shot, which any one of you that knows, like, Pretty much he's dead. Like, it's impossible. He's not going to get this thing out. I couldn't hit that bunker shot. And he steps up, and he looks back at me and says, Dad, I'm going to hit this close. Slaps the sand, pops it out to 10 feet from the pin. I was in shock. Steps up, drains the putt for a three. I'm like, okay. We go to the next hole. Drives the ball. Doesn't hit it real well. Hits the next shot onto the green. He's got like a 35-foot putt. He putts it to one foot. Taps it in for a four. So now he knows he needs a two on the last hole. So he steps up. Hits the best drive of the day. He's on the fringe just off the green. He's got about a 15-yard chip. He steps up to it. He turns to me and says, Dad, this is going in. He chips it. It's rolling dead at the hole stops six inches short, and he taps it in for a four or a 40. So I was in this moment like, I I would say this is my proudest dad moment of all time, because when the pressure was on, he rose to the challenge. And I think there's something about that, even as Christians. Like as Christians, I think too many of us are walking through life, and and we, we think that there's no pressure. But I think that God wants us to live with a sense of urgency. That like what we do matters. How you live matters. How you act at work matters. How you act with your neighbors matters. What you do every single day matters. Why? Because there's an urgency to it. Because this life is short and God wants to do something through you. You see, God is looking to strengthen your faith. He's looking for people that will rise under the pressure. And and that's why in this church, I feel like I put pressure on our church. I'm like, no, God's calling you to a higher standard. He's called you to be a holy people, a different people, to be set apart from the world. Why? Because I believe that God's people, we rise under the pressure. And He wants some of you to rise up, and you've just been walking through life willy-nilly free spirit oh I'm just a free spirit like I just do what I want no God's saying I've called you to more than that I've called you to dial it in to focus you got a sand shot with a 10-foot lip ahead of you hit that ball over that thing oh I came to preach today you know I got a friend he was a pastor when we started out out of college and uh He got hurt in a church. He got wounded. This was about 10 years ago. He was a pastor for the first, you know, five, six years out of college. And 10 years ago, he was wounded by a church. He made some poor decisions. There was some discipline put on him. And he's never recovered from it. In fact, every time I talk to him, he's still bitter. He still talks to me about how this church hurt him and how they wounded him. And he's on Twitter blasting the church all the time. And I'll respond to him. You know, like we had little tweet battles, even though he's one of my friends. And then I'll text him. Got to check him, you know what I'm saying. And, uh, but I look at him, I'm like, bro, you went through a storm and you're stuck. You're still stuck in the mindset of that storm. And that storm passed 10 years ago. And here I am. I've been through some storms in my life. I've been hurt in the church. Like every one of us has been hurt at some point in our life. But we have to make a decision. Am I going to allow that storm to strengthen me? And to see what God can do through me out of it, or am I going to get stuck in the mindset of the hurt of the past of the storm? God is looking to strengthen you and to show you just how strong your faith is, but to make us get stuck in the mindset of the storm, rather than the, what can God do through me in the storm. Second Corinthians 1, 4-5 says this, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. I hope this encourages you. That when you suffer for God, he actually showers more on you. He showers more comfort on you. And then guess what you can do in turn? Now you can comfort others in their struggles. So your storms are actually strengthening your faith. So then you can use that to say, I've been through something similar. And God's going to bring you through this too. Third, God knows. Where you are, did you know that? God knows right where you are. This should strengthen you in your storm. The strength in your storm is that God knows exactly where you are on the journey. Now let me show you um, why, real quick. So, if we're looking at this text, um, we see that there's a parallel story in John chapter six. So this is Mark six, and it's the story of Jesus walking on the water, the disciples sailing across, right, but. In John 6 is the same story, and I want to read verse 19, and it says this. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Now, if we go back to Mark 6, and we look at verse number 48, it says, He saw, He was on the land, alone on the land, praying, verse 48, And He saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. So if you looked at the, the parallel text, it says they're three or four miles away. Jesus is on the land. That means Jesus can see them three, four miles away. This is a miracle. Because if you know anything, if there's a storm, you can't see much on, on the land or on the water. Not only that, but no human being can see uh, uh, three to four miles away. And yet here, Jesus on the land, praying, sees the disciples struggling against the storm miles away. What does that tell us? Some of you think God doesn't see you because of how big your storm is. But I want to tell you, He sees you exactly where you are. He sees what you're struggling with. He sees that you're making painful headway against the storm. And He's not going to abandon you. In fact, if you, you read in verse 48, it says, the fourth watch of the night had come. Now, if you know anything about the, the Bible and these breakdowns of what the night times mean, the fourth watch of the night was between 3 and 6 a.m. And Jesus sent them when evening had come, so basically at sunset. So essentially, they've been rowing against the storm from 7 p.m. to 3 to 6 a.m. So they've been battling the storm for 8 to 10 hours, rowing fighting, battling, and I think some of you are in a storm, you feel like you've been in it forever. I want to tell you, don't quit. Don't quit just because the battle has lasted for a while. God still sees you. He knows exactly where you are. You think he's far away, but he's on his way, and he's right there with you, ready to meet you in your storm. Hebrews 7, 24 and 25 says this, but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. What is this talking about? This is saying that Jesus is actually still now to this day, just as he was then, interceding on behalf of you. He intercedes, prays for, intercedes to the Father for you in your storm, in your struggles, when things are good, when things are bad. You have a Savior that is fighting for you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're walking through. I hope this encourages you, church, because I think that many people, when we get in the middle of a storm, we get stuck in a storm, we think we're alone in the storm. And we start to think, I've been battling forever in this storm. I feel like the storm has lasted for weeks or months or years or hours. and, And I wonder if God even sees me anymore. If Jesus even knows where I am anymore, I wanted to tell you, He sees you and He has not left you. He's working still, even when you don't see it. Fourth is God uses storms to draw you close. You know that Jesus comes close in storms. What I love about Jesus, and I got some friends that are going to come up and help me right now with something, um, is that He's a personal Savior. And a personal Savior, a personal God wants a personal relationship with you. But what I found is that we kind of think we can do things on our own. Right? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man. I'm powerful. Some, some of you are a woe man in here. We got man, we got one man in here, and, and I'm, I'm powerful, I'm strong, I, I got this, I can handle my business. So bring, bring out, I need the stuff, I need the stuff, come on, come on, come out, bring the stuff. So we got some powerful men here. We got Josh and Sam, give it up for them, being up here today. Come on, come here, come here. Put, put food and drink right there, okay. Thank you, thank you. One of them, one of them, and the other one over there. All right, so, so these are powerful men. They can handle their business. So guys, would you just do me a favor, like just go take a bite of something and get yourself something to drink. Because, and, and Josh washed his hands um, before he put that food on that plate. So you're going you're gonna to have a carrot. I mean, these are powerful men. They can handle their own business, right? Can you guys get a sip of water? If you're hungry, you feed yourself. If you're thirsty, you, you take a sip on your own. That's good, man. Look at these powerful men. Okay, go back, go back, go back, go back. Go back to where you were. Okay, it's like they handle their business. Now, come, 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 come. When we're in a storm, when we're in a storm, how many know that the storm can actually blind us? Like the storm can make it where it's hard to see anything else but the storm. And when we're in the middle of a storm, actually our perception can change to where then. We don't know how to handle our business like we used to. We don't know how to take care of things like we used to. And so she's going to tie that. Can you see anything, Josh? Uh, Okay. Uh, And then she's going to tie. So Josh, I just need you to, I need you to actually do me a favor right now and like feed yourself and get yourself something to drink right now. Go ahead. Can, can Can you just like go feed it, feed yourself, get yourself something to drink. And Sam, I need you to do the same thing. I need you to do the same thing, Sam. I just want you to to feed yourself. Yeah, keep looking. Feed yourself, Sam. Get yourself something to drink. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Stand up, stand up. You guys aren't close to falling off the stage, don't worry. Here's why I think God actually uses storms because he knows that in these moments we'll let him Like, get close to us. And he'll let us bring, we'll let him get close to us. And we'll let him actually bring us to the water. Put your hand out, bro. Take a sip. He'll actually let us, or we'll actually let him, like, all right, God, in this moment, I'll finally, like, come over here, bro. Walk with me. I'm going to bring you over by Sam. Here's some water. Put your hand out. There we go. Now go ahead and drink. I got you, bro. I got you. And in this moment, right, there, there's a, a time for us where we finally are vulnerable and we go, I can't do it on my own. Like storms actually humble us and get us to the point where we allow God to get close to us, to, to give us what we need. Which when we're hungry, he can feed us. When we're thirsty, he gives us something to drink. But when, when we don't walk through storms, we think, I got this. I'm powerful. I can own it. And that's why I believe God allows storms because these storms allow him to draw near to us. Because finally, we're humbled enough to say, you know what, God? I'll let you help me for once in my life. I can't do it all on my own. Give it up for these guys. Go ahead and leave the stage without being able to see. No, I'm just kidding. Take your bandana off. And I think that so many of us are, are wondering why, and maybe the why is just that Jesus wants you near to him. And you've pushed him away for far too long. Or you've thought you could do it on your own for far too long. This morning I was walking in to church and my wife was leading worship in West Sac this morning. So I got all three kids ready. And, uh, and then I, got, I brought them all. And we parked on the street here in, in downtown. And this morning it was cold. and We got out of the car. And my daughter immediately started crying. She's five years old. And she said, Daddy, I'm so cold. She had a jacket on, but it it was cold out. She said, Daddy, will you carry me? And she's crying. I'm so cold. Will you carry me? So what are you going to do? As a father, I bent down. I said, walk, girl. No, I'm just kidding. I, I bent down. And I picked her up. And I held her close to me. And the second I put her in my bosom. And I, she laid her head on my shoulder. The tears stopped. She felt warmth. She felt comfort. And I carried her in here. And I set her down when we got into the crest. And she was so happy and ran to the kids area. You see, God often uses storms just to draw you close. Because we realize in that moment that we need him. That we're desperate for, the, for him. That we can't do it without him. Verse 48. It says that he comes to them in the fourth watch. And it actually says, I don't like this translation. And I was reading about it because it's actually a bad translation. It says that he came to them and he meant to pass by them. And I read that I was like, I don't like that. I was like, is this accurate? Like did Jesus really mean to pass them by? And I was reading all, all these theologians, all these commentaries. And they actually said, this is a bad translation. Because in the original language, the intent was an implication that he was going in their direction and he had intent to meet them. There was intent to meet them. The theologians would call this a theophany or an appearance of God. This is the same idea of when Moses says to God, he says, I want to see you, God. And God says, well, you know what? You can't see me because if you saw me, you would die. But you know what I'll do? I'm going to cover you with my hand, and then I'm going to walk by, and I'm going to remove my hand, and you're going to be able to see where I just was. The afterglow. I'll let you see that, but you can't see me because I'm too powerful. And it's this idea of this theophany theophany, that God actually wants to reveal and show himself to us. God wanted to meet them. Why? Because in meeting them, he could draw them close to him. It's not that he doesn't want them to see him. And in your trial, I want to encourage you that you would be watching for God. Because I believe that God wants to reveal himself to you. But so many of us are distracted and our fixation is on the storm alone. And if you don't ever take your eyes off the storm and say, God, I need you to intercede in my storm, you'll miss that God's maybe been there all along. You'll miss that God has come and he's ready to move and to touch you in the middle of your storm. Fifth is God uses storms to show us there's nothing to fear. There's a lot of fear mongering going on right now. There's a lot of fearful people right now. There's a lot of fear rising up. And it's not just because of the coronavirus. How many know we've been a fearful generation for many years now? We live in a state of fear. We have a mindset of fear. But the Bible says that God has not given us that spirit of fear. He's given us one of power, love, and a sound mind. They're scared... Because they see a ghost walking on the water. What does that mean? They actually perceive Jesus to be someone that he wasn't. And hear me, church, because this is the story of Jesus' ministry. That people always perceived him to be something that he wasn't. The Pharisees called him a devil said he was filled with Satan. He was doing this by the powers of darkness. The Jews declared and celebrated that he was a a, a political leader here to overthrow the Roman government. The the disciples themselves didn't know who he was. They said, maybe he's Elijah. Maybe he's John the Baptist reincarnated. Maybe, Maybe he's Moses come back. For Jesus' whole life, people perceived him to be something other than he wasn't. And it happens again here. And I wanted to bring attention to this because you need to know that until you begin to understand who God is and who Jesus is in your life, you'll always live in a mindset of fear. But when you begin to to see and and to have eyes that say, no, Jesus is the Savior, he's the healer, he's the rescuer, he's here to change me and to move in my storm, then you recognize there's nothing to fear. When Jesus isn't just this political leader or a ghost or, or, or something other than he is, what he is is a rescuer. And when you know there's a rescuer that's there for you, you have nothing to fear. Because you know no matter what storm you might face, the rescuer is coming. And the rescuer will be there. He'll meet you. He'll be in your storm. And he won't leave you in the middle of it. The rescuer is coming. You can go read Matthew 14 on your own. This is another parallel of this story. But in this version, Peter actually gets out of the boat and walks on the water. This miraculous moment, and I think if nothing else, this was another moment for for the disciples where they're like, wow, this man is something other than we thought he was. You see, God uses the storms to show us that there's nothing to fear, and yet so many of us are walking through, we're in a storm or we're not in a storm, but we live with a mindset of fear, with an attitude of fear, with a spirit of fear, and God's people are not people of fear. We are people of faith. If the band would come back. Last. Today, the strength in your storms is that God wants you to come to him with what you need. It says that the disciples are utterly astounded. And I find it interesting, the miracles that happen here. First, Jesus sees them from three or four miles away, struggling against the storm. Then Jesus comes to them walking on, on, on water, another miracle. Then Peter actually gets out of the boat and walks on the water. Then Jesus gets in the boat and what happens? The winds stop. The waves calm. The storm ceases. Another miracle. But then it goes on and, and I wanted you to see this because I just think, This is cool. It's a little bonus miracle that most people miss in the text. But if you go to John 6, 21, this version of it, it says, But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land at which they were going. So I don't know if you caught this, but they're in the middle of the sea battling against the storm. And then, boom, they get teleported to the shore. This is some quantum physics stuff going on, y'all. Immediately. But I love this because I think that the disciples are desperate in their storm. And some of you here are desperate. And some of you have been in a storm and you cried out to God. And some of you go through more storms than others. Maybe because you make bad choices more than others. You know who you are out there. Some of us have just encountered more storms in our life in general, not of our own doing, but just because we live in a fallen world. But I wanted to tell you something. It doesn't matter how often you cry out to God, He is always willing and waiting to hear your request. That you serve a God that wants you to come to Him with your needs. He's not put off by people coming to Him for what they need. He delights in it. Did you know that your God delights in you coming to him? Jesus never says, and you don't see this in scripture, like, I'm tired of healing all these people. He never says, I I don't want to feed them, even though they're hungry. He never says, no, 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 I I don't have any more power left in me. You're going to ask me again? You're sick again? You need another healing, another blind person, another leper, another struggling? That's not Jesus' response. What does he do time and time again? He touches and he heals. Why? Because that's the heart of our God. He's a God that no matter how many times you come to him, every time his arms are wide open, he says, I got you. I'll tell you this as a father, I don't care how many times my kids come to me asking me for things. I'm always going to give what they need. Your God wants to give you what you need. Maybe not always what you want. Because we ask a lot for what we want. But God is willing and waiting to give you exactly what you need. Verse 51 and 52 I'm going to close with this. It says, he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And I've heard this message preached so many times, I've never heard anyone talk about the end of this text, because I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And they throw in this little spot at the end of the, the sea being calmed where it says they didn't understand about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. And it started to hit me that even the disciples didn't understand who Jesus was. Even the disciples in the middle of seeing God work miracle after miracle after miracle They're astounded, like, how is this possible? Their hearts were hardened. And I think there's someone in this room that God has rescued you time and time again. He's worked miracles over and over for you. He's brought you through storm after storm. And yet every time you go, I don't know, was that really God or was that chance? Was that really God or was that just coincidental? Was that really God or was it just luck that I'm still still here? Was it really God or did I come through that just because I worked hard? I want to tell you, some of you, your hearts have hardened and God wanted today to soften it and say, no, I've been with you through that storm and that struggle and that situation and you're still kicking because I'm still walking in line with you. It's time to respond to me and trust me in the future. You'll never be strong through your storm until you give credit to the God of all storms, the God that rescues through all storms, that heals through all storms, that restores through all storms. You'll never be strong like he wants you to be. Strong through your storm until you give him the credit for bringing you through your storm so I think there's somebody in here you, you thought you got yourself this far but today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you he's saying no you thought it was you but it was me and it's time that you surrender your heart fully to Jesus Christ that you say Jesus I, I've tried to do it my way and my strength I thought I had this but today I recognize that without you I'm nothing without you I have no purpose without you I have no future today is your day to surrender to Jesus once and for all would you bow your heads with me across this place church You're here, you say, Caleb, that's me. I need Jesus. I've tried to do it in my strength, in my way. I I gave credit to all other things but Him. But today I'm ready to surrender fully, wholeheartedly. Maybe for the first time or maybe you're in this place, you say, Caleb, I need to surrender to Jesus again. I ran from God, but I'm ready to come back to God. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now. No one's looking around between you and God. If that's you, go. Put your hand up. Yes, hands are going up around the room. Come on, church. Give God some praise for these people that are responding to his message. Pray this prayer with me. Everyone in here, lift your voice with me. me. Say, Jesus, thank you for meeting me in my storms, for being with me through every storm today i surrender to you wholeheartedly forgive me change me from the inside all the way out i'm nothing without you and i love you in your name amen can we stand to our this feet this word encourage you today if you haven't heard we recently purchased a building in old sacramento this is going to be the permanent home of project church we are here to stay in sacramento but I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.